belong, become, believe. You're listening to Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas podcast. The message for February 7th, 2021 is called God's Liberative Lens. We have a guest teacher this week named Ruben Nuno. He's pastor of Church of the Living Hope, recording from his office in New York City. Good morning, greetings, Grace Church. My name is Ruben Nuno. I'm the pastor of Church of the Living Hope here in East Harlem. And I'm very, very grateful to be able to worship with you this morning. Thank you uh, to your church for extending the invitation. And thank you, Pastor John and Jane Ray, for your friendship and for the opportunity to gather with your church this morning. Uh, We're coming to you from New York City here as we come into our maybe 10th month of uh, remote virtual uh, gathering like this. Uh, We had planned for, for our churches to somehow connect uh, and create some sort of partnership. And so praise God for the opportunity to do this uh, remotely. Here at Church of the Living Hope, uh, we are following the liturgical calendar. So every Sunday for the last four Sundays, we've been sitting with this uh, concept of epiphany. And following the, the Christmas season and just after the Advent, we, we are invited to come into the season of epiphany. And the season of Epiphany is uh, a season in the Christian calendar that is synonymous with light, with revelation, with illumination. And I think it's such a prophetic and such a beautiful invitation, particularly as the the calendar year um, falls on some of the darkest times of the the physical of the physical calendar. Uh, we know that during January we have the, the the shortest amount of light in the day, and so in this time. On the heels of this anticipation that Advent represents and on the heels of this glorious revelation of God incarnate through Jesus Christ, on the heels of thousands of years of prophecy being fulfilled in the the promise of Jesus, on the heels of this we're invited to come into this moment of light, of epiphany. So this passage in Isaiah chapter 9 very much deals with light and where light come from, comes from and how light transforms our reality. Uh, for me, the word epiphany is best described as sudden moments of clarity. It's one of my favorite words in the English language, one of my favorite words in the Christian vocabulary. I pray that this morning, this, this sermon will serve uh, as a form or as an invitation to... to to these moments of reflecting and coming into these the, the season, just as we come out of the season of Epiphany. So Isaiah chapter nine begins with this with this location. It actually is important to uh, to pause and reflect on the lo- the location that that Isaiah in the eighth century is speaking from. It's interesting that this very passage is a passage that is echoed by Jesus. In Mark chapter 4, as Jesus begins his ministry, after coming out of the desert, after coming out of 40 years, or 40 days rather, of of fasting and being tempted, after being baptized by John the Baptist, then he begins his ministry. And among the first things that Jesus says is the first two verses that we read here in Isaiah chapter 9. The Bible says that Jesus repeats this that is spoken in these first two verses, saying that, nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. Somebody say amen. In the past, 
the lands that were humble, the, the lands of Zebulon, the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations. And by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, he says the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those living in the land of darkness, to them a light has dawned. Zebulon, Naphtali, Galilee. Even in the 8th century when Isaiah was writing this, writing this, these words and speaking these words prophetically, these were lands that were synonymous with loss. These were lands that were synonymous with brokenness, with death. These lands uh, physically are located in the northern part of, of the, the, the Palestine-Israel region. It's in the northern part closest to the Assyrian border, closest to the Babylonian Empire. So every time an invading army was coming down, they are, was coming to plunder, particularly on route towards Egypt, the first places to experience the heel of the oppressor's boot were Zebulon and Naphtali. It was the point of, of, of impact for invading armies. It was the point of impact for, for, for empires that would oppress, whether it was the Assyrian, whether it was Babylonian, or whether it was in the time of Jesus when he repeat, repeats this, the Roman Empire. They all entered through Zebulon and Naphtali. They all entered through that region. So it's interesting that this passage of scripture frames the prophetic words that we read later in this in, in this in this in this uh, prophetic utterance by Isaiah, it frames it, it in this place of Zebulon and Naphtali. It's important for us to acknowledge this because it serves to build on this larger framing narrative that is present throughout the arc of Scripture. Um, what is a framing narrative? A framing narrative is an extremely useful tool that is used throughout uh, literature. It's, and it's used throughout storytelling. It's used in movies. It's used in, in, in any ways that we're trying to establish a story within a story. That's how most people have described a framing narrative. It's something that can create archetypes. It can create these um, tropes. It can create these stories that tell us the broader story. And this framing narrative that we see in Isaiah chapter 9 is the, the story within the story of the message of the gospel. It's the story within the story that's told from Genesis to Revelation. And this framing narrative is important because it starts us at Zebulon, Nephtali, and Galilee. These, these uh, uh, parts of uh, our community, these parts of our life. These parts of our world that we would would see as perhaps uh, less than. We would see them as places that would not be the initial candidate for, for the places from which our salvation comes forth. Jesus uses these spaces as framing narratives, as a story within the story, and it's repeated throughout the arc of Jesus' life from Zebulon, from Naphtali, from these places in Galilee that were seen as second tier, that were seen not only as second tier, in some cases as tragic stories. From these places, the light has dawned. I was mentioning that we've been uh, worshiping in the midst of, of pandemic. We've been worshiping in the midst of, of so much uh, so much reckoning that's happening. Uh, throughout the, the, the pandemic, we've had protests. We've, we've, we've had the summer of, 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 
reflecting on what it means for uh, people like George Floyd to tragically lose their life, uh, for Breonna Taylor and for all of these structures that, that are being reckoned. We are living and we are worshiping and we are reflecting on this passage of scripture as we think about what it means for Christians in a time where uh, uh, political tribalism, social cultural tribalism is really a part of what we're experiencing in terms of the sifting that is happening even in our American Christianity. It's important to identify the Zebulons, the Naphtali's, the Galilee's in every community. Every city, every state, every region has those. And I believe as well that every individual, we have those areas in our life, in our story, that are our own Zebulans, our own Naphtali's. The framing narrative that Isaiah is giving us is the same fr framing narrative that we see in the life of Jesus. It is not a coincidence that Jesus is born in Bethlehem, a land that was also synonymous with with the with the community that was marginalized and then raised in Nazareth again this land of Naphtali Nazareth is is located in the land of Naphtali it's located in the land of Zebulon Jesus finds his first disciples out of Galilee he finds these he finds fishermen and he finds common uh men and women who are willing to follow Jesus in this message of good news so Jesus sets up an important framing narrative the good news the light that Jesus wants to bring into our life will come from those marginal areas in our life. And not just from the marginal areas, from the marginal cities, from the marginal communities, from the marginal places, places that we would possibly want to shield or, or, or hide from ourselves or, or wouldn't want to, uh, we wouldn't naturally be drawn to uh, as those centers of power. Jesus is saying from those lands, the light will break forward. And the Bible says that there's a counterintuitive, uh, uh, redemptive work that happens when we embrace the light that comes from those dark places, the light that comes from those places that have, have traditionally been seen as otherized. The Bible says that throughout this, the, from verses three to five, that the result of this light coming from the margins, this light coming from these these dark lands, these lands synonymous with loss and brokenness and oppression. The Bible says that there will, that the, there will be an enlargening of the nation, an increase in joy. Joys like that of harvest time, joys like that of, of, of the rewards from, 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 from uh, wars that are won. Uh, that, that in those days, burdens and yokes will be broken and removed. Rods of the oppressors will be lifted. The war boots will be taken off and every garment that has been soaked in blood will be used for fuel, amen, for fire, to warm our bodies, to warm our homes. There's something completely uh, uh, counterintuitive that happens when we embrace what God wants to do in our lives, in our Zebulons, in our Naphtali's, in our Galilee's. It's an important principle that I've experienced throughout my life, um, particularly having grown up in in uh, Los Angeles, uh, in 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 marginalized and marginalized community in Los Angeles, uh, uh, where poverty, where gang activity, where so many of these things were very much a part of 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 my upbringing, there was a propensity to associate God's blessing with upward mobility. There is a propensity for us to see God's blessing. Um, whether it's conscious or subconscious, 
there's something that that happens particularly in in western christians where we we see the light come and we um associate that with upward mobility in this passage of scripture i think jesus is actually inviting us to a downward mobility that is repeated throughout the life of christ jesus consistently moves away from centers of traditional power of earthly power into those places that are on the margins um, a way that has completely transformed my understanding of Jesus's ministry and the way Jesus, um, the government of Jesus that is later referred to in this passage of scripture is that Jesus begins with the margin and then moves towards places of power. Whereas most of our self-preservation instincts, most of our instincts as humans, uh, our survival instincts, are perhaps subconscious instincts uh, or, or understandings of blessing associate uh, or, or, or compel us or draw us towards the center of power. Jesus, however, is inviting us to embrace the light, embrace the good news that begins with the margins. Jesus, when he first preaches in Luke, he uses this powerful passage that is in Isaiah chapter 61 in which he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has, has anointed me to preach good news to whom first? To the poor, to the brokenhearted, to, the, to those in prison. Those who have experienced that which people who lived and were raised in Zebulon and Naphtali. They experienced that. Jesus says, that's where I'm going to begin. Because the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, as Jesus begins his ministry, he begins his teaching ministry with the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5. This is Jesus is his opening dissertation, if you will, in, Je in which Jesus is unpacking the principles of this government, the kingdom of God. It, and in this, he begins with the Sermon on the Mount. And again, Seeing this framing narrative that we see in Isaiah chapter 9, seeing this framing narrative that we see in Matthew chapter uh, chapter 4, seeing this framing narrative repeated in the Sermon of the Mount, Jesus begins by saying, Blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who are who, who mourn. Blessed are those who are who, who are in persecuted. Jesus throughout the Beatitudes begins with the margin and moves towards this light, moves towards this transformative nature of the gospel. This is powerful for me because, like I said, throughout the, the uh, a, a very formative part of my life, uh, I was very resistant to, to embrace those marginal um, aspects, even of my own, my own narrative, of my own life. Uh, and I was, I was, I think I, I was like many Christians, uh, under this, this illusion that God is calling us to, to lead from a place of power, lead from a place of, 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 of influence. And Jesus, if you are careful to read the words of Jesus, he is constantly inviting us to divest ourselves of earthly power. And it really messes with our minds. Uh, but it is it is something that Jesus is trying to bring clarity and an epiphany. I think this is what this passage represents to me. Jesus goes on to be described uh, and this promise, this light, 
starts off again being described in verse 6 as, For unto us a child is born. So here, here this, this passage is saying, I'm going to bring a great light. I'm going to bring a, 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 the, the rod of the oppressor, the liberation of people who have been under the, the boot of oppression is going to be lifted. And how is this, this new government built upon? Whom is this new government built upon? For unto us a child is given. For unto us a child born in a manger. Born to us is a child that was, 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 uh, had no place in the end. Born to us was a child to an unwed mother, uh, uh, betrothed to Joseph under questionable circumstances in earthly, in earthly, uh, conditions. But unto us is given this child who had to flee and become a refugee in Egypt, flee for safety. Unto us is given a child. And the government, the authority, the ways of the kingdom of God will be placed in this package, in this frail, frail package. Who would see a king coming as a child? Who would be intimidated by a child? Who would see this as the, the, the methodology that God would use to redeem all of creation uh, by sending us a child? I think in order to really understand how how counterintuitive what this passage is trying to how the, how counterintuitive this passage is trying to reframe our earthly narratives it's important to understand what the kingdom of God really represents because in this passage it says the greatness of of God's government the greatness of God's peace the greatness of of God's justice the greatness of God's righteousness will rest upon this child it will come about through this child. Throughout the Gospels, the disciples uh, struggled, I believe, with Jesus's, um, with Jesus's timetable and Jesus's representation of what it means to, for the kingdom of God to be among you. You remember that when Jesus begins his ministry, he begins by citing these two Isaiah passages, referring to Zebulon, referring to Naphtali, referring to uh, uh, Isaiah 61, in which the Spirit of the Lord is upon, anointing to preach good news. And he says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is among you. He starts with this concept of repent and this kingdom, this great government that was prophesied is now among you. And I think that it was, it was, it was baffling for the disciples at that time, many of whom came from Zebulon and Naphtali, many of whom knew that Jesus was, was raised in Nazareth and born in Bethlehem. They knew his background. They knew he was a carpenter. He didn't come from a clerical class, a clergy class. Jesus was, came in this common appearance. This great kingdom came in a very common form. And a, a, a spiritual mentor uh, and a, a huge, hugely influential voice in my life has been uh, Father Greg Boyle, who is the, the founder and director of Homeboy Industries, which is a ministry in Los Angeles that works with people that are coming out of incarceration and who many of whom have been raised in, in some of the most uh, cha challenged neighborhoods in Los Angeles, communities that are synonymous with gang activity, synonymous with crime, synonymous with drug uh, 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 substance abuse, and on so many other things that would be seen as as completely 
uh, um, statistics, people that are raised in those contexts. Father uh, Greg Boyle ministers to these uh, these these individuals, and a, a centerpiece theologically and practically to what they do is this idea of kinship. And kinship, to me, is an important piece. If we are going to have experience, perhaps an epiphany in our understanding of what it means to be a member of this this new government, of this new kingdom, it's important for us to understand it perhaps through the lenses, the lens of kinship and, and kingdom, K-I-N-D-O-M, versus what perhaps many of us would, at, would anticipate, which is a kingdom. Much like the disciples that were following Jesus, they were saying, Jesus, when will you establish your kingdom? When will you start this governance? When will you take over the, the, the systems of power? And Jesus is, Jesus is saying to them, as he is saying to us today, it's already here among you. Among those members of society that, that Jesus has rescued and embraced, those outsiders that he calls to be insiders, those are those representatives of this government, of this authority, of this new way of being. And I think that it took the disciples, as we see in, in, throughout the Gospels, it took them some time to really understand that, that paradigm shift. And in fact, it wasn't until after Jesus dies and the Holy Spirit comes upon them and they're actually in those, those, uh, the, that season of persecution where they're fleeing up to Antioch. Um, they're fleeing in, in, into the, the far flung parts of this, uh, of, of the, the, the Mediterranean that they're experiencing this, the power of this new government, the power of this new kingdom, uh, the power of this new kinship. Outsiders were made insiders. This, I believe, is what Jesus is, is bringing to us through this upside down king, kingdom, this kinship that, that we're invited to. This morning, I want to, um, close by, by inviting us to, to consider in what ways is God trying to frame our narrative? Uh, and in some cases, in what way is God trying to reframe our narrative? For so many of us, there are aspects of our life. Many people, for, for that, for some people, it may be a tragedy or a tragic year. I believe that by faith, even, um, some of the hardships that we're experienced, that we experienced in 2020 will be those things that that served as the the soil the fertilizer uh if you will for those things that god is going to do in our life this year and in the years to come we've experienced some hardship we've experienced some difficult things i'm praying for my city new york city we're praying that from this um this sifting that we've experienced from this difficult season that god would break forth and there is this um paradoxical nature in um, in scripture and in following Christ that we must learn to embrace. God almost makes a beeline to those marginal things in our life. God has a, a thing for those things, those, those challenging and those, uh, uh, un, perhaps even unusual aspects of our life. God has a way of taking those things and making it the place from which, um, the light and the, the, the answer to our prayers comes forth. So I want to encourage you and invite you in this season 
as we think about this passage of scripture throughout the week and as we we um invite the holy spirit to continue to to speak to us through this passage of scripture i want to invite you to consider the ways in which this is a a a, a new way for us to see the work of christ throughout the ark of scripture jesus is consistently using the margins to bring forth good news. What are those marginal places in our life? What are those marginal places in our community? What are those marginal um, situations in our society and in our culture? Those are the places that we should look out for. Those are the places from which good news is coming. God bless you and uh, may the peace of the Lord be with you. Thank you for listening to Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas podcast. You can find more about us online at gracechurchmwa.org. Grace and peace.